Chapter Twenty Two of Early Days of Old Oregon by Catherine Barry Judson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twenty Two: The Battle of Seattle. Woo woo woo! An officer of the warship Decatur, who was on shore duty at Seattle on a very dark night, thought he heard an owl. This was late in January, eighteen fifty-six. Blackness lay over the waters of Puget Sound blackness lay over the shore and the nearby forests all the people in the little sawmill town of seattle were asleep except a few anxious ones were the indians asleep or were they planning an attack no one knew therefore the officer pricked up his ears and listened for the hooting had come out of the forests on his right whoo 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 that hooting came out of the woods on the other side the officer listened anxiously for the hooting of an owl was an old indian signal hoo, hoo, hoo. there it was again on the right-hand side but nearer than the first hoot hoo, hoo, hoo. this time it was on the left and also nearer no owl about that said the officer to himself those owls are indians i guess we are in for it one year before governor stevens had made his treaties with the puget sound indians and then other treaties at the great council at walla walla but the indians were not satisfied with the treaties for several reasons the lands given them were not the best two or three tribes eternal enemies had been placed upon the same reservation and that meant constant trouble and besides although the indians had given up their lands and the white people were building their cabins fencing the lands cutting down trees and taking possession the great father at washington had not sent one penny of payment to his indian children in washington the indians thought themselves tricked indians from other parts of the country who happened to come into the west told them that the white men always did so another reason was this the indians for forty years had been dealing with the hudson's bay company dr mclaughlin the white eagle chief and james douglas who followed him in the management of the fur trade had power if they made a promise to the indians they also kept it the indians held them responsible when governor stevens made the treaties with the indians he made the promises but it was congress who had to keep them sometimes congress was slow in doing this and sometimes did not do it at all this was something the indians could not understand if they had been left alone the lazy puget sound indians might have complained and been troublesome but perhaps they would not have gone to war they liked better to squat in the bottoms of their canoes and fish or to camp on the shores of puget sound and dig clams out of the beach or to catch crabs but the horse indians from east of the mountains were very warlike and they were angry over the treaties all these indians knew well the difference between the king george men and the boston men they were not angry with the british who bought their furs they were angry with the americans who had taken their lands and driven the game away there was danger of indian attack on seattle therefore the hooting made the officer anxious in october of the year before indians had killed several families in the white river valley not so very far from seattle all the loggers and farmers from the nearby country had come into seattle for safety a blockhouse had been built just a large log cabin women and children were to run to it if indians came after the massacre of october the indians seemed to have quieted down some people scoffed and said oh there's no danger 
a warship the decatur lay in elliott bay and these people even thought it ought to go on its cruise others said yes there is danger don't you see all these strange indians about there were indeed a great many strange indians around the little milling town they were tall well-built athletic indians bold and daring in appearance they were very different from the short bow-legged canoe indians most people knew at once that these strange indians were the horse indians from east of the cascade mountains and what were they doing visiting tribes whom they despised as fish-eaters so people waited and waited some scoffing and some afraid because they believed danger to be near marines came on shore and sentinels watched during the nights that is how the officer from the decatur happened to hear the hooting of owls in the forest the officer when he heard the hooting at once sent word to captain ganzevoort of the decatur he also sent word to the settlers some of the leading men came quickly together for a council and they asked curly as scout to go into the forest and see if the indians were threatening curly was thought to be friendly he was gone two hours when he came back he said there were no indians in the woods he had actually gone straight to an indian war council jim another scout who really was friendly came in cautiously among the white settlers who were discussing the question curly watched him closely when jim had an opportunity he warned the americans that the indians had been holding a council and that they would attack seattle at dawn the next morning marines from the warship were landed at once even with the nearby farmers in the town there were not more than one hundred and twenty people there in seattle itself there were only twenty houses and a sawmill all night watch was kept dawn came then early morning but no indians some scoffed again those who had spent the night in the blockhouse went home for indians almost always attack at dawn not during the day the settlers went back to their houses and the marines returned to the decatur it was breakfast time and every one after a sleepless anxious night was tired there were no sentinels on duty about eight o'clock jim's sister nancy came down into the village nancy was excited and was shouting something as she waddled along for she was a very fat indian what's the matter nancy called some of the settlers hi 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 behind tom pepper's house screamed the old indian many many indians was what the jargon meant at once word was sent to the decatur captain gonzevoort had had many false alarms some of his officers thought this might be another never mind said the captain who had not yet had his breakfast i'd rather be fooled twenty times than be caught napping once he ordered a shell to be aimed behind tom pepper's house boom thundered the big gun the shell screamed its way through the air over the log cabins and exploded with a crash behind tom pepper's house war-hoops and yells from a thousand indians was the answer then the crash and bang of hundreds of indian guns echoed through the forests while a shower of whistling bullets fell like hail among the scurrying settlers for at the first boom of the gun out from the cabins rushed the settlers breakfasts were left on the table uneaten or half-eaten or even on the stoves half-cooked the settlers were not all even fully dressed and curiously enough no one was hurt during that wild run because the indians had to stop to reload their guns so began the battle of seattle 
the men who had guns went right out into the open into the streets before their houses hiding behind the stumps of great trees left there the women and children were hurried off to a lumber vessel lying in the harbour which had come in a few days before to get piles and sawed lumber for california seattle in those days was nothing but a few log houses scattered in and out among the old stumps between what is now second avenue and the waters of puget sound when mr yesler built his sawmill in eighteen fifty three he had built it on a little peninsula near what is now the foot of yesler way the narrow neck of land connecting it with the mainland he had widened and heightened by heaps of sawdust making a very dry little knoll there this was all there was to the town up the hill from second avenue much steeper then than now was a dense forest of heavy trees with dense underbrush and in the forest the indians were securely hidden and quite safe from bullets yet the battle went on the steady roar of the cannon from the warship the shrieking of the shells and the crash of their explosion in the woods and mingled with this uproar was the bang of the guns the wild whoops of indian warriors and the yelling of the squaws who urged them on indian bullets cut up the ground around the americans tore their clothes cut through their hats and whistled thick as a swarm of bees in the air yet few white men were touched the americans aimed more accurately than the indians and the shells from the fire-ship frightened the warriors rather badly they could not understand how a gun could shoot twice that is after the roar of leaving the gun the shell exploded with a second crash when it reached its mark an indian behind a tree had a lock of hair cut off by the fragment of a shell he said afterwards he could not understand how a gun could shoot around the corner the fighting and yelling went on hundreds of indians just at noon dashed down upon fourteen americans who stood at one point the white men stood their ground in spite of the yelling redskins who came within a few feet of them and that was the critical moment of the day the americans refused to be afraid and that made the indians a little afraid had those fourteen run away the settlers would probably have lost the day meanwhile the settlers fought without having had even their breakfast the indians did not they ate the breakfasts they found in the log cabins and then set fire to them the settlers with guns in their hands saw the flames and smoke of their burning homes still they fought on in the afternoon fewer shots came from the forest at once as the indian shooting faded out the settlers feared treachery they watched the forest more closely than ever but when evening came the indians seemed to be disappearing by ten o'clock at night the battle was over indians never fight very long at a time they like to make quick dashes there were so many of them and so few of the white people that they felt sure of the quick capture of seattle so they brought very little food with them now they sent word that they were going away but one old chief said they would be back in one moon with twenty thousand warriors and kill off all the white men the indians admitted that twenty-eight braves had been killed and eighty wounded but the settlers and marines had only two killed and none wounded during the next few weeks fearing that the indians might come back again the sailors pulled up stumps made roads and cleared the ground around the settlement they built also a strong log fence a stockade around part of the settlement 
but the warriors did not come back and the next year the war east of the cascade mountains was ended also the settlers of oregon and of washington along the columbia river with regular troops from california fought the indians east of the cascades there were no very great battles but many settlers and soldiers were killed many indians too at last peace was declared the indians quieted down the treaties were kept by congress and things were safe for white settlers again End of chapter twenty two